Hello, all of you, Ristekes and Chustikes, and welcome to podcast Life the Battlefield today. Let's go talk about marriage between magic and science to create better leaders. And who better than directly from the Perth, good friend of mine and a great, great coach, Dave Clay. Dave, welcome to the secret location. <laughs> <laughs> It's literally secret, right? It is very secret. Actually, I feel yeah. like a little kid at the like I've been waiting to see the secret location, and I had to sign something to come in that I could never tell anybody where it is after I leave. Oh, okay. yeah. You know what? My boss, you know, we, um, I remember now we just been saying like a yeah. little kid. Yeah. I remember the moment we were coming to the my boss when I was working in the called uh, Directorate 7, which yeah. is foreign intelligence. Anyway, it's a long corridor, like typical yeah. communist buildings, you know, anyway. Yeah. You walk and it's like, God, I'm really tired. And then you yeah. walk inside and somehow he's always ab- above you. Yeah. Anyway, after a few months, I spoke to the guys and they told me he made it builders to, you know, rise his desk <laughs> half a meters higher, not to be see visible architecturally, right? Yeah. What I mean, so he was always like this on top of you. You look like a little kid, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, anyway, Dave, yes. welcome, welcome. Thank you. So let's go talk today about these crazy times. I like to choose the two topics. One, it's humanity. That's the one yes. of the most burning topics. We lost touch with humanity. Tell us, Dave, your opinion, where the humanity is going to workplace, why it's gone, and how we can reignite that humanity back, humans to humans. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Maria. And for me, it's something um, I get a little sad about at times. Mm. Like, seriously, it... It saddens me that we got to a state where, um, you know, we treat human beings like resources. We have human resources. You know, we should have resources for humans, not humans as a resource, when you think about it, right? (laughs) You know, so, um, you know, I don't know anybody who jumps out of bed in the morning and goes, gee, I can't wait to be an expendable commodity. I can't wait to be a means to an end. I can't wait to make the boss rich today. Like, oh, let me get out of bed for that. But this is the way we're treating people. We've got to stay somewhere where, I guess, is it greed? Is it profit? Is it whatever it might be? Shareholder pressures, demands, capitalism? I have no idea. I'm sure there's a combination of many things. Yes. But when it became more about the numbers than the people, um, I think that's when we started to lose touch with humanity in the workplace. And we started then, you know, we use words like human capital, you know, our people are our greatest asset. And like, I love saying to people, awesome, show me your balance sheet. And they're like, why? I said, I want to see where people are on your balance sheet, because that's where all your assets are. It seems to me like you are, <laughs> when you're talking, you look to me a little bit upset when you talk oh, about this. Why, why is that? Because, uh, sorry, if yeah. I'm wrong, yeah. feel free to jump no, on your desk, punch in my face, like yeah. my wrong. But you are seems, yeah, but it looks like in your face that, you know, when you talk about this, like mm. human assets, human mm. You know, where the spreadsheet shows how many human yeah. assets you have. Yeah. Like, what's why? Yeah, well, I think these are people with goals, aspirations, dreams, desires, hopes. I'm a human, right? And I get to get up every single day, Mario, do the work that I love doing with the people I love doing it with for the people I love doing it for. Yeah. And I would wish that upon everybody because life is way too short to do something that makes you feel miserable or to be used or abused or mistreated or, you know, just treated like an expendable commodity. Life is far too more valuable to us as human beings to be able to do that. And so why are we allowing organizations, you know, why are we choosing to work in organizations? Because we need money, right, to survive. We need, you know, and you look at this. And I and I said that the way that we talk about humans in organizations, the way we treat people in organizations, 
like, I don't know. It, it, uh, maybe I'm just, I've had enough. I don't know. And even like one of the things in our organization, when we're working with people, we don't like or allow our clients to use the word staff. Okay. Right. So what, what, how do you, what, what, what name are you using to replace that? Team, people, oh, okay, whatever, okay, just yeah. whatever, right? Because who are the staff, Mario? When you go back into the days, who are the staff? Uh, everybody who was for the somebody. Yeah, right? but if you no. go back to the origins of the staff, they're the servants, the maids, the butlers. Okay, yeah. Right? This is my staff, my house staff, my, right? So if anyone, leaders out there listening, if anyone's the staff, it's you, the leader. Because you are supposed to be the servant, the maid, the butler for your people. Yeah. Your people don't work for you. You work for your people. So we need to stop calling people staff. We need to stop calling them, you know, human capital, greatest asset. You know, people are a tremendous, um, you know, the, I mean, the, you build the people, the people build the organization. But let's not talk at them like they're on a piece of paper somewhere. Or, yeah. And this is where I talk about the science. This is all the science of, of organization and leadership. It's all, all we've done is focused on that, which is really just modern management practices. It's really not even leadership, right? So, so, if, so if I'm correct, sorry to drop today. So if, I, if I understand correctly, correctly the human lives or employees yeah it's actually become commodity yeah is that's what it is yeah well, that's a great way because what's a wow. commodity yeah. what's a commodity mario a commodity is defined by the market the market determines the price yes all right and that's what makes it a com- commodity when you're not in control of the price of your thing that means you, you that it's a commodity like coffee beans or you know pork grinds or whatever it is those are commodities yes and they're traded on the commodities market because the market determines the price so we're treating human beings like a commodity. I'm willing to only give you this much for this role, for this thing. You know, I mean, I could go on a whole rant about all these things, but these are little, um, and we could dive deeper into all these, but if you look at jobs, we're hiring people to do a job. We should be hiring people to achieve outcomes. Yeah. You know, I remember my last job that I ever had before having my own business again. <laughs> okay, the right? can, yeah. you, can yeah. you share that one? I like it. Yeah. There's a smile on your face, you say, there was the last job I had before I had my business set. That's Then start <laughs> yeah. smile. Yeah. Something is happening there. Please, share. Yeah, no, because yeah. for me, um, I finally got to be doing what I love to do in the world. Now, I was able to do a lot of it in the last job that I had. But I went up to the uh, the board. They gave they interviewed me. They gave me the job description for this role. Yeah. It was a CEO, GM of an organization. Yeah. It was like six pages long. And... I went to back to the board and I sat down with my final interview, threw the, the job description on the on the back onto the table, and I said, you don't need me. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, this tells me what to do, when to do, how to do it, who yeah, to do yeah. it with, how, to, and how many of them to do it. Da, da, da. What do you need me for? How am I supposed to bring my best self to work and become even more what I'm capable of while I'm here when everything is, the, the, it's like my diary is already complete for me. Like, and what I'm supposed to do, what I'm supposed to do it. So for me, I'm looking at that going, we're hiring people to do these jobs and we're telling people what to do, when to do. Now, if you go back to Steve Jobs, he told us then something that still rings true today. We're supposed to hire people smarter than us for them to tell us what to do, not for us to tell them what to do. So why don't we hire people to achieve outcomes, delegate outcomes to people, not task to people? Why don't we get people involved in the work, more involved in decisions about the work? You know, when we allow people, why don't we allow, create an organizational structure that allows people to bring their best self to work and then become even more while they're there? Why don't we celebrate the fact that when people leave your organization to move on to something bigger and better, that that's a wonderful thing? You know, everyone's focused on employee retention. Well, what if we had employee promotion? What if we had 
Yes, you know, yeah. you know, we we celebrated someone moving on and upwards in their career, and what that would require, which is um, a new definition for leadership, which uh, the one that I've had for many years that I've crafted for myself in my own perspective of leadership, would mean that I'd have to look at you as a human being first and an employee second. That is a, that's that's a, that's a, that's powerful. Eh? Actually, you know, I'm enjoying this conversation because I try to understand, you know, why nobody speaks about this topic in the way you talk. Mm. And I'm trying to now recollect in my mind, when did we start talking about humans as a commodity, right? And I mean, as it's the, on the workplace. Yeah. I don't know if it's just a slow transition and it just happened, you know, it's like the frog in a, in a, in a boiling water. Like you yeah. just turn it up one degree at a time and it'll sit there and boil to death. If you threw it in hot water, it'd jump right out. Yeah. But I think over a period of time, we've, it's just, and it's become, we've become numb to it. We've just become, you know, apathetic to it, Mario. Yeah. It's just like, for me, I'm like, man, like the, we as human beings, how did we allow it to get this way? We, we gave over the power. Yet the funny thing is, Mario, the people running the organizations are humans too. You know, I'm like, so it's okay if you if you go further ladder, then you get further out of the hole. Is that what it is? And therefore, you can treat all the people back in the hole like crap. I don't mm -hmm. know. What organizations today? We need to get back to humanity in business, humanity in organizations. You know, and this to me is is if anything that I'm really pushing forward. I mean, I always talk about you know the evolution of business, evolution of us as human beings, and everything like that, and and building organizations that evolve with us as humans and that we can evolve with. But the essence of it all is it has, we have to bring humanity back to the workplace. And, and like that, that to me is if, if I can push any agenda for the remaining years I have on this planet before I go back to my other one. The, uh, the, uh, I like how you say yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Well, some people think I'm an alien. I'm not sure. <laughs> just, just the way like, what planet are you from? Yeah. I'm like, well, that's a good question. The, uh, and, and that we can bring humanity back to the workplace. You know, I think like that is... And how can we build organizations that make sense to human beings? How can we build organizations that that people want to work at, work in, work with, work for, be a part of? Like, that's what we should be focused on. Because we all know, we all know, we've known it for years, we all talk about it, but who's doing something different about it? That when you get your culture right, which is the habits, attitudes, and beliefs of the people, right? You know, Drucker told us, whatever, 40 years ago, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Why? Why does it have to be that way? What if we had a really invincible culture, a powerful culture in our organization that was like a magnet that attracted the right people mm -hmm. to our organization and that people wanted to work here? And imagine if I worked somewhere and then I went to go get a job with you, Mario, and I showed you my resume and it says, oh, wow, you worked at so-and-so organization, yeah. you're hired. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing because you yes. worked at an organization that yeah. gets it and then you know, you're the kind of people that we want? Like that would be you know, when people want to become the employer of choice well, the employer of choice would be a place where instead of looking at what does that mean to us, what does that mean to the people who want to come work here? That means when you have our business on your resume, that you can get a job anywhere. It's like, you know, if you said, oh, you worked at Google, yeah. you're hired. You make me think now. I've, I truly believe that this interview is going to be very well accepted and, you know, because nobody speaks about uh, workplace in a way you talk. And I like to extend my question when we spoke about mm. since when human become um sorry employees become commodity yeah something happened uh, in the last couple of years i know the lockdowns and you know all yep. this all this hurdle about covid but we lost touch with humanity can you yeah. can you 
maybe you won't disagree with me, but I honestly, it, I say something from my example that yeah. I don't remember when I saw somebody in a suit. Mm. I don't remember when I went for the business lunch. People just disengage. There's no touch. We lost touch of humanity. Can mm. you maybe elaborate on this one from your yeah. point of view? What do you think? Is, are we lost touch with humanity or not? Here's the funny thing. Yes. I think, well, definitely speaking through the lens of the clients of the people we've served around the world, yeah. during that time, three years ago, what I call, um, there was BC and now uh, PC, right? So, which is before COVID and past COVID for a post COVID. Um, yes. But during the time when that happened and everyone had to jump online and do their online mm -hmm. stuff, right? Here's a fancy thing. So everyone's on their screens now. Everyone's working from home because everyone was forced mm. to their rooms for, for bad behavior and you have to stay in your room until yeah, you think about it, right? Mother, said, Mother Nature said. Um, and the interesting thing, talking to all our clients and that, and even me online with our clients, I got to learn more about them as human beings because the environment they're in, they're at home, they're more relaxed. They had cats jumping up on their laps or their kids yes, running in the background. Yeah, yeah. And like, oh, I didn't know you had a cat. Right. And, you know, like, oh, cool. And like, oh, I didn't know you had, you know, all oh, those are your kids. It's been great. So even one of my clients in Melbourne, um, I got to, and he would, his, they, his kids now refer to me as Uncle Dave. Okay. okay. And he was like, oh, this is Uncle Dave. And then so when I come to visit them in Melbourne, I went and had dinner with the family and I got to see them. And, yeah. but so I thought it, it actually brought us closer together as human, helped us drop all the BS barriers and the, the suit and tie, you know, this business image that we must put okay, on. Okay, and, and okay, okay. So and one of our clients, for example, it was really awesome. They had, uh, I think it was one of the first Fridays on them, they had a fancy dress Friday. So when you're on your team meetings and that, you had to be, you know, dressed up like you're going to a costume party. And one of the guys had a full-on Super Mario, like, out, like, <laughs> it was, they tell me the story. And, yes. And it was just amazing. And you're just sitting there like, they're having a laugh. They were revealing their personalities. You could see their homes. You could see, you know, their kids, their partners, their pets. And I think it actually just allowed us to be a little bit more human while working. So you saying that actually the screen makes us more human. I well, mean, it allowed us to see a window into their humanity. Window into okay, that that is okay. I I can buy that one. Yeah, yeah. So it allowed us to, and it allowed people to drop their guards a little bit. You know, I remember I'd had so many Zoom calls as all of us had had, or no, you know, is, yeah. team meeting stuff. When I had to do my very first live presentation in front of humans again, my wife jokingly said, "Don't forget to put your pants on." <laughs> you know, it's just like <laughs> I think that actually that gives to many people that uh, I would call the luxury, right? Because when you are sitting in front of the screen, it's it's covered like up to here, right? Yeah, yeah. Whatever it is. But then you can see like you know your new your, your boxes, yeah. whatever it is, yeah. like pretending. Yeah. But it does I don't know. I, I, Business up top, Maria, yeah. party downstairs. You yeah, know, like, like I, <laughs> I know, but you see, I I miss those days, honestly. Like and today between you and I, yeah. you know, we in my podcast studio, you know, seeing somebody who flied from Perth, it's like four thousand, yeah. five thousand kilometers away from Sydney, it's here today. Um you know, makes me very, very happy seeing the hum, human in yes. front of me. I'm tired of Zooms or all these things, yeah. but uh, maybe because it's hard for me to accept the way you're seeing the things because mm. you're helping businesses to yeah. grow. So obviously seeing the different ways um, me, I need to learn some other things. But isn't that escaping to some artificial reality intelligence? 
You know, like yeah. it's like you cannot put avatar like you, you, I can put myself looks with the six pack, mm. <laughs> look good and yeah. hi, this is me like in you know, a metaverse, whatever they're calling. Yeah. Let's go meet in a in a, some on the top of the some mountain, you know, maybe the flowers and let's go do business day. Yeah. Artificial intelligence, reality, humanity. Mm. What is your take on that? Yeah, so um, I guess there's um, extremes. Are you comfortable to answer that question? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. I, yeah. I have an opinion on everything. Okay. I can't guarantee it's the right. I'll have an answer for everything. I can't guarantee it's the right answer. I just have an opinion or I'm a perspective just like on things. I know that this is not sponsored by no artificial intelligence company. I'm no. against. So let's go see what the day we're going to say. Yeah, well, this is interesting. So there's a few things. So let me just talk about um, some of the stuff I think may happen, and then I'll come around to Please? my perspective yeah, on yeah, stuff, yeah. right? So here's the thing. So yeah, definitely Zoom and all that. Like I, I valued the face-to-face. Mm. As someone who does a lot of keynote speaking, I've done it on screen and I've done it in front of human beings. Yeah. Um, I find just the kinetic energy between human beings gets lost a little bit. So I think we lose just a little bit of something mm-hmm. from when we're on a screen. Mm-hmm. I can stand there with all big screens around me, do everything and do a keynote presentation yeah. or whatever. Um, and I will still bring as much energy. But what I'm, and you know, I can see people's faces, but... I think there's just the physical energy in a room that I think we, we lose a little. Mm. Um, so for me, I prefer to be in front of people. And yeah. for me, I like to walk into the audience. I like to be one-on-one with people. You know, if anyone's ever seen me do a keynote, yeah. I'm notorious. When I was in um, Florida back in March, I flew down to Florida to, to speak at a conference there. Yeah. And it was funny. We were There's about 80 people at this. It was a small event, but it was a really powerful event. And... Um, there's a stage set up with all the lights yes, and everything yes, like yes. that it was in this beautiful distillery set up. It was a fantastic setup. But then as soon as I, I, my turn, I was the closing keynote on the last day. And so I get up there and then as soon as ready to go, I walked into the crowd. Yeah. And about five minutes into my presentation, the uh, MC is like, Dave, they're trying to stop me. To because, try to stop you? Yeah, because the cameraman, the lighting wasn't really good because the lights were on the stage. Oh, okay. And they said, we can you get back up the stage? Because... We can't, the light's not good. And I said, turn the lights around. I'm yeah. here with the people. I'm here with the people yeah, here. Because, here. Yeah, you're right, because uh, uh, when you do keynote speaking, you are illuminated, everybody's in, in black. That's right. And like, it's not about me, it's about the people in the room. And I said, turn the My lights around. Day. That's, that's and, powerful, yeah? Yeah, and then I, because I go in the crowd and I just talk to people one on one. So, to, you know, so this, you lose that, I guess is my point. Um, now, I also said to people, I can imagine, here's what I see as the future of this sort of stuff. I could be standing in my studio back in Perth or wherever I live in the world, uh, have my augmented reality glasses on or whatever. I will be a hologram. You could be, you know, you sit there and you'll have your glasses on. And we could be at the, the Sydney ICC here, for example. It would look like we are. You've bought your seat. There's a stage. You see it. You can see people yeah, around yeah. you. Yeah. There's me on the stage. Yet I'm in my studio back home you're sitting here or in your comfort of your lounge chair at home wherever and it'll look like we're at a conference or convention and you look like them there or here's the other thing that may happen in the future is that uh i'll be a hologram you know like uh princess- oh, don't, don't, i just want to say like <laughs> if you say hologram i'm gonna be upset i don't want to be hologram to nobody no no but, i'm not saying okay, that but, i yes. want to be i'm just saying this is what's going to happen Mara. this is just a me yeah yeah <laughs> it'd be just like princess leia help me one obi <laughs> kenobi you're my only hope help me obi one kenobi you're my only hope princess leia i like it, it that's why right so it'll be like that there'll be this projection of me there doing a hologram and this sitting there on the stage so you know, like those things I think are going to happen, whether we want them to happen, like them to happen, believe they're the best things to happen. I think that that will happen. The metaverse, I, I'm not 
um, much of a metaverse genius in that yeah, space. I, yeah. I'm fascinated by it. And when I say fascinated, it sits between scared and excited. Okay. Okay, so fascination for me sits, and that's where all this stuff, I'm fascinated by all of it, yeah. which means it's a little bit scary, but it's a little bit exciting. Can I just share with yeah. you for the for the, for the the sake of conversation something? Um, I was in my son in Dubai just before the Christmas last year. Um, we went in Croatia, you know, I want to show him where I was born and everything else. So one day we just go in the shopping center in Dubai, in Dubai Mall, and it's this big glass room, like, and the people are connected with their... You can see people are like a zombies, right? They have the yep. goggles, glasses, whatever they yep. call them, right? Yep. With the with the cables and yep. you know they they're doing some things, you know. Yep. I said to my son, I said to Mateo, what's what's wrong with these people, right? You know, I mean, I can see that they're you know connected somehow yep. with some of the glasses. And he says to me, "It's a virtual reality, dude. You know, it's it's a metaverse." It's a, I was like, "Oh, I don't want it," he said, because yep. that's very lonely, man. But you're right. I mean, the yep. workplace is changing. Maybe we become the holograms. Yeah. But imagine some two o'clock in the morning your client comes out of the of the of your of your of your mobile phone yeah. next to a bit. Yeah. Hi Dave, I need a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there they are sitting there. They'd be like there they are, like that there like Oh, hi Mario. How are yeah, you today? Like, yeah, great. Yeah. Look. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I think you know, you're right, you know, the humanity is changing, you mm. know. We, we 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 need to adopt new things and yeah. do you see that there's a problem that people adjust, adapt, as you say, like myself, I'm a dinosaur, I presume, yeah. uh, that that mentality, uh, that we need to adapt and adjust ourselves and into the new new era of the business, like, as you say, virtual mm. reality, artificial yeah. intelligence, um, you know, the humanity, window to humanity yeah. as a computers. Yeah, it, it, this is, and this gets back to my take on all of yes. it now, which is, um, I don't think you can stop the future, Mario. Yeah, okay. So for me, I look at it, um, I'm a Gen X, so I sit right in the middle. Mm. I've had the benefit of the last 35 years, pre-internet, everything like that, wisdom experience, connecting with human beings, stuff like that. I also appreciate and value a lot of what technology and things like that has brought to the workplace and for people. Now, how we've used it bothers me, but the mm. application of technology and what we can use it for and how yeah. we can make workplaces more human using it, that excites me. So there's... It, there's a scariness in terms of the way we're using it. There's an excitement in the terms of what I see that it could be used for, which is why I sit in mm. fascination. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there may be times when hologramming would be a really cool thing to be able to do. Yes. You know, especially at like team meetings, I could be when, say, Lisa's in Queensland and I'm in Perth, yeah. and I can, sh- instead of actually looking like this, um, I could just be a hologram there and as if I'm talking to her like you and I are talking. You know, my philosophy right now, this is what we do. So you've got this beautiful secret studio here. Yes. Imagine this wall right here, Mario, yeah. was just a big screen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then you and I, so there's a big screen. Yes. You're sitting here in your podcast studio. I'm sitting here in mine. Yeah. And it's like we're talking to each other. You're looking at a wall, which is a screen, and I'm looking at a wall, which oh, is a like screen. Oh, I like that one, yes. Right? And it's almost like just a big Zoom screen where I could walk up to, hey, Mario, you got a second? And you walk up to there, and it looks like you're looking at me. Right? And we can have a quick chat and say, okay, then I can get back to mine. To my spot. So I can have offices all around the world where I could go, Lisa in Queensland, I could be in Canada, Jordan could be in, in Australia, like Perth, whatever. And I just go Perth and I turn to the wall and it's just a window, it looks like a window into the office in Perth. And I, I could see Jordan there and say, hey, Jordan, you got a second, I want to talk to you about this thing and let's whiteboard something. And she walks up the screen. It's like we're seeing each other. We're right there. Just can't physically touch, shake hands, high five her, whatever. Give her a hug. She's my daughter. MC Hammer can't touch this. Yeah, can't touch this. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, 
<laughs> Don't get me started. The, <laughs> you're into my 80s now. <laughs> uh, but like those sort of things, I think that would be awesome. What a way to take technology and at least create like that window to humanity. Yeah. The ability to do that. But if it only becomes about that mm. and we end up with goggles on our head, wired in or wireless goggles, and we live a solitary life, but this through this false reality, you know, we create this false reality. That's what scares me. That's yeah. the scary part where um, we're going to become lonely mm. and we're going to escape the loneliness into this virtual world and then become somebody out there that we wish we could always be. But why don't we do that in the real world? Why do why, we... Why, why not? There? Tell me why. Well, why. Why not? Because instantly in whatever virtual reality world, you can instantly be that person. Where so in, as convenient. human beings, right. we have to become that person. It's a process. We didn't get to be who we are today, Mario, without learning from the mistakes that we made. Yeah. So how do we expect to become any more without learning from more mistakes? But as we grow older, we're, we want to make less mistakes. Why? Because we're afraid what people will think of us if we fall down. They'll, you know, the way that society looks at people and if you're in failure. But the only way to become what you're capable of is to go out and take risks and, and fail because the faster you fail, the faster you learn. But we're, well, we faster do that. Faster you fail, faster you learn. Yeah. I'm going to take this, okay. take this into quotes yeah. so I can mm. quote this. Okay. Faster learn, faster, faster fail, faster learn. Yeah. Well, this is why. And when we work with, with clients, for example, what yeah. we say is you, you have to allow learning moments and coaching moments. The more learning moments and coaching moments you allow in your organization, the more momentum your organization will have. The more momentum it has, the faster it learns, the faster it evolves. And those learning moments and coaching moments, I don't even look at them as mistakes. Like with your clapperboard, we call them mistakes. 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 Okay. So, you know, like when you like that, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. hey, take two. Mario, you could have delivered that opening just a little bit better, don't you think? What do you think you could have? Oh, yeah, I should have been more emphasis on this and that. Okay, take two. Do it again. That's a good one. Right. So when we coach our people through that, in terms of helping them become the best version of themselves to do the life's best work while in our care and beyond, it's just a mistake. It's not a mistake. It's not a failure. You know, you can label it whatever you like. But the whole point of this is if we can reframe failure, then and that it's a good thing where people like we high five people who've made a mistake. What did you learn? Awesome. Great. Now, what are you going to do now? Okay, I'm going to do this instead. Awesome. High five. Instead of the opposite way, which we've been doing it for the past, is belittling somebody when they make a mistake, calling them stupid, dumb, idiot, whatever it might be. Oh, my God. Well, how, why, 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 did, why would you do that? You know, you remind me of the movie, maybe you saw that called The Battleship, right? Anyway, oh. uh, the two brothers, and they simultaneously talk. One brother says, calmly, like you said, so mm. what do you learn today on exercise? Mm. You know, I mean, you know, we need to do this, you know, the congratulations to everybody. Mm. Other brothers, like, if you fail one more time, you know, I mean, I'm going to. Yeah. So, like, you know, you yeah. brought me that uh, frame yep. of that movie, yeah. which is reality in the leadership. So let's yeah. go back a little bit in time. Let's mm. go back into future, no, past, whatever you want to call it. Three years ago. Things start changing. Yep. What's changed in leadership after 2020 till today? And do you see that as leadership go back into the past, future, back? Or it's something new happening in the leadership space? Um, okay, so I have two thoughts on this. One, um, it got worse. Mm -hmm. And secondly, it got better. So this is the Okay, is, is, the, the this, is this is like a riddle a, or it's just no, no, like, 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 like <laughs> some ways it got better, some ways it got worse. Can you just expand yep. on this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when you think about when everyone got sent to their rooms, mm -hmm. what were leaders worried about, Mario? 
They're worried about, well, are my people working? I don't know if they're working. How am I supposed to know if they're working? Yeah, yeah. You're like, how am I supposed to know if they're doing what they need to be doing? How do I know that they're, you know, on their computers? So what do we start doing? Putting little spyware on our people's computers to make sure when they logged in, log in, how many keystrokes they did, all these <laughs> sort of things. You know, like literally, this there was stuff that this is what people were tracking. I, I bet that that is the case because oh. I don't know what's happening in the space of the, because as you are, well, for myself. But I never asked nobody what's actually happening. Yeah, so so that was starting to happen in a lot of organizations, which saddened me. I actually let one client go at that time because we just started working, built their cultural framework, and we were actually going through that process with them. And, uh, you know, one of the things is, one of, one of the things that's really critical to us is you have to show that you care about your people first and that as a leader, you're willing to go first. And when it got to the stage with this, they wanted to instantly bring people back to work because they couldn't measure their productivity. They couldn't check their billable hours. They couldn't do this. And I said, you want to bring people back into an environment where we don't even know if it's safe for them to come back in because you're worried about whether they're working or not or whether they're doing their billable hours. And I said, that's not the right way to lead people. The, the, the challenge that they have in organizations is that we hire people to do a job, as I talked about earlier, right? Instead of hiring them to do outcomes. Do you, are you more interested when people punch in and out of your business or how much they punch out of your business? You know, we, in our organization, you can work whatever hours you like as long as you're getting your results. If you want to get up at 5 in the morning and it suits your lifestyle and you want to work for a couple hours and then you want to take some time off to be with your kids till 9 before they go to school and then you want to do some more work and stuff like that, whatever way it works for you, I'm okay with that as long as we're achieving the results that we need to achieve. And if we're not, then it's just a coaching opportunity or a learning opportunity because that's performance leadership. So in organizations, when this stuff happened, a lot of people went into defense mode because they didn't have the system set up to be able to allow, or the frameworks, as I call them, allowed for people to work within. So what do we do with that? We want to control everything. Yeah. So they felt, leader, a lot of leaders felt the loss of control, so then they tried to control everything. So if they weren't already control freaks or micromanagers, they became that, <laughs> right? Which was, it's a sad place yeah, to yes, be. Yes, yes, yes. Right, because that means there's no trust in the system. There's no trust in your organization. If you can't trust your people to do the right thing, that means you don't have the right culture in your organization. Mm. So, you know, and cultural framework is one of the first framework you need to have in place so that you can actually have a system of trust within your organization that people know how we think around here, know why we're here, know the organization we're building, the future we're creating together. So when they have all that in place, Mario, you know that they're going to be working on the right things. Then if you help your people be more productive and you sit there and you're working on, here's the outcomes that must be accomplished, and we're delegating those outcomes and we're involving the people in the work, in decisions about the work and all this stuff that I keep talking to people about, you don't have to worry about when they're there. Because here's the funny thing. Before yes. this happened, all you knew is they were at work. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, presenteeism is worse than absenteeism. <laughs> Right? That's a good one, actually. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so presenteeism, because you, you see them at work, therefore you and you see them running around shuffling papers and doing things like yeah. this, and you have someone who track things. You think that you think that you think that people True, are yeah. are they're actually busy, but they're not productive. Yeah, they're busy and productive. Right. So they they're actually a lot of people, you know, yes, do people want to sit in their pajamas, sit on their bed with their laptops and work, would that be fine? Now I appreciate there are some roles in the world where that doesn't suit, you know. If you can't work from home, if you're a barista, mm. you know, like you just pump coffee in your driveway, come pick up your driveway and then you can go. Um, but so there was all this stuff that happened during that. But the, it was interesting because one of the quotes, one of the comments from one of our clients, um, Brett, he said to me, he said, Dave, the best thing about this here is the way their business was set up because they had their cultural frameworks. They had an evolution strategy mm. in their organization. 
they were prepared for disruption, weren't prepared for, obviously no one yeah, could have yeah, predicted yeah. that. Um, but he said, we were able to respond to it. The only thing we had to worry about is getting our people home and safe and make sure they'd be safe and get them set up. Outside of that, it was business as usual for us because everybody knew what they're supposed to work on. Everybody knew the things. Everyone had access to the systems. And once they had all that set up, they could do business as usual because they trusted their people. Everyone knew how we think yeah, around here. Yeah. They had the right culture and stuff. They didn't have to put spyware on their computers. They didn't have to do all this stuff because they had faith in their people and the people had faith in the leadership. Right? Faith in the leadership. That's a very interesting. That's a powerful. <laughs> so when we talk about leadership, can you, for our audience, I mean, the the the, the internet, I'm, I'll call it internet or social media or whatever yeah. you want to presence, everybody talks about leadership. Everybody's a leader. Everybody... Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Even I yeah, looks yesterday. Yeah. Sometimes, oh my yeah. God, everybody's a leader. Um, what is a leader? Who is the leader? And what the leadership it is? So it's two okay. different teams. Yeah, like, yeah. Who's the leader? And what the leadership yeah. it is? Accountability, responsibility. Yeah. Maybe definition. Okay. So, firstly, um, I I deal in leadership, not leaders. Okay. What's the difference? So, a leader is a position or a title. Okay. Um, and I believe that. Anyone can be a leader, okay. If they can okay. demonstrate, if they can demonstrate leadership, okay. I don't know that part. Okay, okay. I'll so, wait for you to explain. That. Yeah, no, no, it's beautiful, <laughs> right? So for me, le- like um, leadership for me is simple, right? So when I learned the process for human behavior about twenty-four years ago, and I looked at this, and you know, we talk about magic and science of things. Yeah. So to me, um, I was taught that as a way to sell the stuff that I was doing at the time, and I thought, no, this is the this is the magic. Yeah, yeah. And that that. That process for human behavior, I've tweaked it only minor since I learned it 25, but I've used that every single day of my life, everything, every business, everything I do, because that's the magic of it all. Yeah. And that's when I looked at that, that's where I crafted my own definition of leadership from. Once I understood human behavior, then I understood leadership. Because to me, leadership is simple. You lead people. You lead people and you manage resources. And as oh, we okay. talked about earlier, people yeah. are not a resource. Right. So um, to understand leadership, you have to understand human behavior. So my definition for leadership, which is then why I wrote my book, Simplified, Leadership is Simple, You Lead People, is this. And I'll say it twice just for everyone listening to this. But leadership is all about helping other people become the best version of themselves to do their life's best work while in your care and beyond. So, again, leadership is all about helping other people become the best version of themselves to do their life's best work while in your care and beyond. Now, Mario, in that definition, where does it say you need a position or a title to demonstrate leadership? No way. Right. And if you look at that, so the last part, in my care and beyond. Remember what I talked about about, about human beings? Yes. That means I care about you as a human being first and an employee second. Because my role is in leadership is to help you become the best you can be to do your life's best work while you're in my care and beyond. That means I need to help you understand what success means to you and what that looks like to you and show you how by working here you can get move towards, gain the skills, whatever it is that you need to do to help you move towards becoming that which you want to be in your life while in my care and beyond, which means my job then is to help you become the best person you can be. Now, here's the other part sense, of this. Yes. So that's leadership to me. So anyone can demonstrate leadership anytime. So what we challenge organizations to do is move away from an ego system of leadership to an ecosystem of leadership where there's this top-down leadership thing is a way of the past and all around leadership is the way forward where anyone can demonstrate leadership at any time. So therefore anyone can assume a leader role in a moment. It's not like a permanent position. 
So in our team, Jordan, who's 24 years old, is the leader when it comes to um, our systems and accountability and yeah. everything with our clients. As our client concierge, anything to do with our clients, we look to her as the leader. I'm the leader of the company on paper, but in that space and that realm of our business, she's the leader. Man, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, okay. yeah, I'm okay. glad I'd ask you this question, actually. Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so, so that's one part. Now, most people would have heard of Jim Collins from Good to Great, mm-hmm. famous author, right? Wrote mm-hmm. from Good to Great. And this is this will tie back into the sense of leadership. So in an organization, Mario, if you want to take your organization from good to great, what inside the organization needs to go from good to great for the organization to go from good to great? Okay, well, what takes? The people. Uh, okay. Right? I knew it was a trick. And I knew yes. it was... Well, like, you can get all the systems and fancy bits and pieces, whatever you want, but if you want your organization to go from good to great, the people have to go from good to great. Okay. So you need to help your people, you know, have, which I believe people have an infinite capacity for greatness. I need to help my people become even greater or better, or whatever word you want to use, yeah, yeah. than what, when they came here. I want you to leave here better for them for having been here, not drain you of everything that I can get out of you as a resource. Yeah. I want you to leave here better than you were when you first joined here so you can go on to something more magical in your life if you choose yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Because I care about you as a human being and you succeeding. So here's the thing. Um, and this this is what this is why I talk about we need coaches, not bosses in organizations. And here's the fundamental reason why. You can't boss someone into greatness. You can't boss somebody into greatness. You can only coach somebody Nobody into greatness. Nobody says this day. Like, you know, I'm just listening to you as you as you as you speak, you know, like that's the uh, th- th- this is the mentality which you have in the military, right? Yep. I mean, you have the top bosses, they don't care yep. for the below. Once when you general or something that, mm. like this, you don't look in anymore below. You're looking how to stay on the top. But everything below it is how you coach somebody who's coming after you, you know, yeah. because you need to pass knowledge and everything else. But in corporations, nobody talks this like you. Yeah. Why? Why we are desperately bossing people instead of coaching people? Because we're Why worried then? on we're working on the science and management of organizations, not leadership. Most of what we call leadership today in the, is just modern management practices, Mario. And you look at all the, you go on all these leadership courses, these certificate fours and your diplomas, <laughs> and like, and I, no disparage to any of the universities and colleges that yeah. provide these courses. I've looked through the curriculum. Mm. 80% of it, 90% of it is what I would consider management. They, it is management. You're right, absolutely like, right. They talk about management, they talk about leadership. That's the leadership what you speak about. Right. Yeah. Right. And so who's teaching people leadership? And leadership is not a program, Mario. You can't learn leadership on a five-day course. I go on a five-day course, I get all this information <laughs> on leadership, I get a big fancy certificate to put up on the wall behind me and go, I'm a leader. Mate, I've been doing leadership stuff for 25, 30 years, and mm-hmm. I'm still learning. Leadership is a process, not a program. Okay, you can't learn I mean, it you know how many in five days. You, you just drop now. Like, you know, mm-hmm. is there any way we can read about this? What you say, the leadership is not, uh, you know, uh, the, the certificate. It's a process of learning. Yeah. And one thing what makes you very unique, and I would say, like, not many people will be um, honest with themselves or with their audience, I mean, uh, to say, I'm still learning. So you don't say, I know everything. Oh, I know everything. Just call me, you know, Dave, I know everything. But you say, I'm still learning. Mm. You know what I'm a master wow. at? 
I don't want to answer because I know it's a, going to be a trick question again. It's like, <laughs> you're a master at? I'm a master student. Okay. I want a master studentry. Yeah. Right? Okay. To be a student. Yes. So here's the thing. You know, when people say, you know, I'll see you at the top of the mountain or, you know, I've got to the top of the mountain. Mm. Um, have you peaked, Mario? Is this the best you're ever going to be? Is this it? This Me? Is you, no, you, no. Right. No. no. So for yourself, now yeah. you might be the best you've ever been, but you're not the best you could ever become. I look at myself going, I might be the best I've ever been in my life now. This might be the you know, best version of me at the moment, but I know I'm capable of far greater. So when people, when you get to the peak of the mountain, you know, you're standing on the peak of the mountain. I've peaked. Yeah. No matter which way you look, Mario, what's the only direction you can go? When down. you're standing on the, yeah, down. Yeah. I have no interest in that. I'd rather, I, I say to people when they say, I'll see you at the top of the mountain or, you know, I go, I'm building the mountain as I climb it. Because I don't know how big this mountain can go. Yeah. So I'm going to just keep building it as I go. Um, and so if it's really important to me then to continue to learn to, because leadership is, an, is a process. You know, a program has a start and finish date. That is correct. That is Whereas correct. a process or a system is ongoing. Ongoing. Right. So just the way our minds process information. So if we're not looking, when I talk to people about leadership being a process, I want them to understand it's a lifelong journey. It's not a start and finish time. Right, because if I said, "Oh, we have a leadership program," well, then you start here that program and you finish the program. Once I'm finished the program, yeah, right, and you can learn all you want to know about leadership in five days. Great, whatever. Um, you think you can? I don't think you could, but you do your five day leadership course. Um, you come back with this all this information smashed into your brain, and then you get back to the workplace, and what happens? You forget it, or obviously you don't apply, or right. Oh, don't talk to me about leadership, Phil. Yeah, I've got yeah. a certificate. I know all about leadership. <laughs> Look right? how big yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you, the brain doesn't work that way. So for me, when I think about process or learning leadership or developing leadership in people, it's um, we, we use a simple formula um, when we're working with clients, right? Or anyone. This, uh, please, yeah. this is for anybody who wants. You can steal this with glee. That we provide content. So our content. Yes. So you absorb that for two weeks repetitively because space repetition is the mother of all skill. Then we have a coaching session for context. Yes. So we take that content times your context. So we multiply it times your context. So taking this content, put it into your context. And then when you start applying that context, you start to embed it. You then embrace the concept. And then guess what? Take that one you keep doing. Then you take the next one and you take the next piece of content. And then you absorb that, then you multiply it by your context and embed that and embrace that concept. And then you do this one and that one. And then over a period of time, it's not like, okay, I've done that, forget it. I've done that, yeah, forget yeah, yeah. it. That becomes part of the way you think. Then this becomes part of the way you think. Then this becomes part of the way you think. And over time, you steadily and progressively increase your capabilities, which increases your capacity for greatness. And this is when people ask oh, me, what's yeah. the difference between, between evolution and growth? Because we work on an evolution process because we as human beings continue to evolve and we challenge organizations to do the same thing. Okay. So us, evolution is the steady progressive increase of our capabilities and our capacity for greatness. Whereas growth is just about being more for more. How do I be more of what I am for more people? How do I grow and expand and be more? Whereas evolution is about becoming more and being more of that. Becoming more and being more of that. Becoming more and being more of that. Because this is how we evolve as human beings. Yet we want to 
try and jam in all this information into somebody and go, you're now a leader. Yeah, yeah. When that's not how we learn as human beings, that's not how we evolve as human beings. So we wonder why we're spending 50 billion, five zero billion with a B, dollars on leadership development programs, courses, you name it, yeah. around the world. And disengagement rates are still sitting around 67 to 70% in the workforce. So 900 million employees, 70% of the workforce in 142 countries are still disengaged in the work they're doing. Yet we're spending all this money on developing leaders, but not leadership. That's that's a fine thing. So, how do your organization yourself helping, and who do you help him? Who is the who is the corporations or companies you're helping to? So most of the clients that we serve uh, today, all around the world, we got clients in Australia, New Zealand, UK, Canada. We're just branching into the US um, and a few other countries. They're small to medium sized enterprises, privately held, usually fifty to hundred employees, right? Um, I could work with large corporations, which would be awesome. Our organization could. Yeah. But when you think about 99% of the population are employed by small to medium-sized enterprises, for me to have the impact that I want to have as a human being on this planet and my legacy, and the reason why I started Circle Leadership as an organization and why our team all rallied together is so we can have a greater impact. Yeah. It's far greater for us to have an impact wide than than to, like going to an organization that had 10,000 employees. Yeah. I'd rather work with 10,000 employees across you know, a thousand companies or a hundred companies, whatever it is, then actually work with one with 10,000 because we're going to actually impact more that way. So that's why we choose that. Now, it's to say that we can't help large organization. Of course we can. But the challenge with that is, like I said before, we have two caveats. One, you have to show me that you care about your people as human beings. And two, you have to be willing to go first as the leader. Okay. Right? Because here's the thing. You need to go first as a leader because as you go first, you create the space and capacity for your team to go further. But don't you think that some of these so-called leaders, if you tell them the <clears> truth <throat> about their leadership style, it's going to hurt their alter ego and they will not be happy with that one? Uh, absolutely. That's why I said most organizations are built on ego systems, not ecosystems. You mentioned this before. That's, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. So ego, right. not eco. Yeah. yeah. So ecosystems, I'm the boss, you're my subordinate, you report to me. These silos, I'm protecting my part of this company and this organization, and don't worry about what they're doing over there. we got to worry about our piece of the puzzle here, our patch, rather than everybody working for the greater good. Mm. If I have an idea in this division that might help somebody in that division, then you know, understand the word division? It's to divide. Yeah, that's correct. Right? So yeah. we divided the organization up. So that means, well, we work on our division, not their so division. So there's no cohesion in the workplace. No, there's right? no sharing of information, yeah, yeah. collaboration, all this sort of stuff people talk about today. You know, we throw words around in organizations today like collaboration, like empowerment, like leadership, and all this sort of stuff, but nobody knows what it means. There's no, but doesn't stick, yeah, exactly. Right? So can we play a word game? Can we play a word game? Yes, please. Okay, so let's start with, when was empowerment a big buzzword? Do you remember when empowerment was the big buzzword? No, I don't. Like late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. Empowerment, we need to empower our people. Empower right? Them, yeah. So we need to empower, which is great. We should. This is awesome. Yeah. So what what does empowerment mean? What do you, how do you interpret empowerment? Um, give somebody the knowledge or boost their confidence or um, help them to develop their skills. Yeah, great. Beautiful. Wonderful definition. Back in the day, though, here's why empowerment failed as a corporate yeah. strategy. Because as a leader... My job was to empower my people. That was to say, Mario, here's all the same delegated authority. Everything I have, you can have it now too. Now, like you, I'm going to develop you to, so you can execute that 
power properly, but now you have all the same power I do. And I go, here's my power. And then I'd be sitting there going. <laughs> I like it, this actually, yeah, yeah, yes. Oh, crap. Yeah. They have all the same powers. What do they need me for? Hey, Mario, uh, by the way, no, no, no. Actually, no, that thing, I'll, I'll, I'll take a bit of that back there. Thank you. <laughs> That's mine. <It's> like <laughs> and like I said, Such jokingly, a, yeah. but seriously, this is why it failed. Because we, we thought empowerment was about giving people power, giving power away. So today, when I challenge leaders on empowerment, here's my take on empowerment. Yes. And that is, my, my, when I want to empower you to make smarter decisions, it's about me showing you you've always had the power. Okay. I just need to give you the frameworks in which you can exercise it within. Empowerment is not me giving you power. It's helping you realize you've always had the power. You were brought into this organization because you have certain talents and abilities and expertise. But instead of me putting a cap on it, my job is to allow you, is to show you you've always had the power, but give you the frameworks in which you can operate in. So you can freestyle inside the framework. Yeah, yeah. And then anything that happens inside that framework, guess what? It's just a learning moment and a coaching moment. So that's empowerment. It's actually helping your team realize they've always had the power. Because we hire people smarter than us so they can tell us what to do, Mario. So we have all these wonderful things, all these gurus just keep saying to us, you know, John Maxwell, wonderful leadership, yeah, talks about, you know, leadership's about influence. And we can come back to that in a moment. Yeah. But I ask people, what does that mean? And they go, oh, oh you know, like it yeah. sounds great. It sounds beautiful. <laughs> Simon Sinek says a whole bunch of stuff. Like, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? And they go, oh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Because they all sound lovely and things, wouldn't that be magical? And but, like, is it, but isn't that our problem our society <laughs> right now? Like, this is... I didn't want to go that path because, mm. you know, it makes me uh, very, very upset because there's a lot of these theories there, right? You know, mm. what you demonstrated, one thing is what I want to, everybody pays attention. Mm. One thing I want to learn in military, there's a difference between the coaches and coaches in corporate fold. In military, when you have your dream instructor, it's there to demonstrate to you why you need to do something, uh, when to do, you know, with what and so on, but uh, it's a how, right? Yeah. So he'll personally go this. And yeah. always come back to this. My most memorable moment is jumping from the plane when I literally pissed my pants. Not me, just everybody. All, yeah. all tough, rough guys from the oh, world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then he's he jumped out. We we hesitated. Then the pilot says, I need to land the plane because you missed the zone. Yeah. When we landed, he says, what the fuck happened? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, of yeah. course. When we go second time, he's standing on the door. He said, I showed you, you stayed in the plane. Now you're going to, you know, and yeah. you just push us out, right? Yeah. Anyway, when we landed, like, we all brave, but in the air, everyone was pissing their pants. Yeah. was afraid, right? Yeah. But he demonstrated how. This yes. is what you have inside of you, Dave. Yes. You're demonstrating how to do it. Mm. Simon Sinek and Gary Vee and mm. all these guys, there, I'm, I'm looking at them like, and it's like, yeah, but you just know how to talk. Show me how. Yeah. How you do this? Yeah. How? Oh, bro, 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 bro. You're the big name. And now you telling me how to do it. This is this is the difference between yeah. you, Dave. You should give yourself the credit and pride Thank you. in how you're doing this because you demonstrating to clients how to do it. Yeah. Theory is one thing. Yeah. Practice is different. Yeah. Well, so, uh, like, I'm a practitioner. I'm not yeah, a theorist. Yeah, so cool. I, yeah. Everything that I've learned through leadership has been yeah. in the trenches, boots on the ground. Yeah. Mm. And I've worked for some of the most amazing leaders that nobody will ever know of yeah. except for the people who had the privilege of working or yeah, serving with them. With yeah. Them. yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so I appreciate that. I kind of like sometimes I say, you know, well, Simon tells you why to why. I tell you how to why. OK, so um, and same thing, you know, like why of leadership, how to lead, you know, how to demonstrate leadership. So, you know, and this is where these things are like empowerment. Right. So the other word I want to play with here and this will tie back in as well. Yes, yes. is collaboration. Yes, please. This oh, okay. is everyone's talking about collaboration now. It's the new 
It's a new it's buzzword. A new hype. It's a new hype. It's right. a new hype. So, so here's my question here. to you, Mario. Yeah. Is collaboration just the new wanky word for teamwork? Yes. Or does it mean something different? No, it doesn't mean for me nothing. I think the collaboration is when we all sit together and we work on the same project, but we bring the, our values, expertise, and the knowledge into that project. It's collaboration. Or I can do yeah. with you. It doesn't matter you call me collaboration, teamwork. If I ask for your help, I say, mm. Dave, I need you for my project. Mm. You're going to collaborate with me. Yeah. It's a team. Whatever. Right. So here's the, here's the interesting point. Well, no, no, no. no that, that's what most people think. Because I asked this question. Yeah. Um, even when I was Are in you Melbourne. you giving all these trick questions? You know, <laughs> I, mean, like... I was in Melbourne for the Global Entrepreneur Congress. And yeah. two words were going around was ecosystems and collaboration. Oh, ecosystem. Right. So God, I'm going to get back yeah, to ecosystem yeah, yeah. in a moment. Oh, okay? Because this is why I want to go through this path to show people yeah. this. So, right. so collaboration. I think that is different to teamwork. Okay. Please. Okay. So true collaboration. Yes. In the pure essence of the word collaboration yeah. is when logos and egos are off the table and no one gives a crap who gets the credit and we're all here for the greater good. Then we are collaborating. So you can have teamwork where, hey, we did this and we did that and together it created this. But when you're actually collaborating with people, it doesn't matter who did what. Look what was accomplished. Look at the greater good that we've achieved here together. It doesn't matter who did what. It's irrelevant because when logos and egos are off the table and no one gives a crap who gets the credit, and we're all here for the greater good, that's when we're collaborating. So all you scientists out there, I apologize, but you're not collaborating because you want to put your name on that piece of paper. You want to put your name on that white paper, that research document to say, yeah. I discovered this. That's not collaboration. Great teamwork. You might have used a team to help you to do that. But collaboration is when logos and egos are off the table and no one gives a crap who gets the credit, Mario. Say the collaborator, <laughs> collaborations are, you know, comes to the close to what collaborator, right? Which is mm. a, um, it's which is negative terms for the somebody who is informant, right? In, yeah. in my practice and everything else. Yeah. Like so, we have the collaborators. You know, I mean, so somebody says, "Let's all collaborate together." I'm like, "Oh man, that doesn't that sounds that sounds yeah." Very you well see, and this is where the the perception of words. Yeah. You know, like and this is where if you use the word influence, people might think you're manipulating people because yeah. the modern day influencer. Uh, is sitting there, hey, I'm so famous that I drink this <laughs> this coffee. You should drink this coffee too. And I'm trying to influence your behavior. Yeah. All right? So we'll get back to that one in a minute. Yeah. But so collaboration, that's collaboration. And here's where it comes back to ecosystems. Mm. Collaboration cannot happen in an ecosystem. It can only happen in an ecosystem. Okay. Let's talk about ecosystem. This right. is another offensive what I'm hearing. Yeah. Let's go put back into ecosystem. Let's go put this. I'm like, all this offensive wording, somebody yeah. comes with all, all these crap yep. words, but uh, from my perspective, not yours yep. or somebody else. So what's the ecosystem now? Please tell me. Okay. So when we talk to people about ecosystems for your organization, it's yes. about building a network of independent but interlinked teams all working together. Oh my God, you're complicated. Now, okay, please come back. Okay. So inter interlinked, inter independent so just teams. Just a network of okay. independent, like each, like imagine yeah, like circles yeah, yeah. that are all interlinked together. Yeah. Like okay? a Lego bricks, actually. Yeah. No, like human beings. Uh, okay, human beings. Okay. Okay, how are we made up as human beings? Not what are we made up of, but how are we structured as human beings? Okay. We're structured, we're cells, right? Yes. A whole bunch of cells. That's correct, yes. And what's at the center of every cell? It's a. Uh, there was a called um, nucleus or atom. Yeah, nucleus, yes, right? Yeah. But the one word people forget, it's a common nucleus. It's the same nucleus in center of every single cell in our body. So all these cells, there's a common nucleus surrounded by a membrane. 
And then all those cells all work together to create the organism that is the human being. So when I talk about building organizations that are bringing humanity back that are like where people make sense to human beings, we build organizations linearly, yet we're made up cellularly. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so can you imagine then at the center of every circle in your organization, and by the way, circle leadership was named after the circle of organizational leadership, the model I created back in 2001 with LTL Expedited Air with Tim Gleason. I drew on a piece of paper. He said, Dave, we've got our purpose defined and our values. How do I get everyone connected to this? And I put the purpose in the center and then I drew the values around the outside of it. And then I put all these team members around there. I said, you need to make sure every single person has a direct line of sight to the purpose through the lens of the values. Because the values is the membrane that wraps around to protect the nucleus. Our values are there to be the guardians of our purpose. And then if you imagine having the purpose and the values sitting at the center of every team and unit in your organization, then we all know we're here for the same reason, for the same greater good. And we know all the lens that we all think through is how we think around here and know what to think. And if there's a leadership table, yeah. and then there's us sitting around like this round table here in your studio, the secret studio. I can't tell you where it is. Yes. The, uh, <laughs> but we're all sitting around here. Let yeah. me give you this, um, the best way. The best way to describe an ecosystem, uh, we'll start with the center table, which is King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Yes. So the fable, mythology, whatever you want to do, or whether it happened or not, if you imagine that, um, so King Arthur, why did he create a round table, Mario? Why do you think he created a round table instead of the long traditional? Well, allegedly that they're all equal under the... Under, yeah, uh, so Arthur felt for all men to feel like men, they must first be treated as equals. Yes. So in organizations, for people to feel like people, let's treat them as equals first. Let's all sit at the same level, not above and beyond and around. And then Arthur created the round table so they, they could face each other. Now, in the center of the table was Camelot. Yes. And around the edge, carved into the edge around the table, was the code of chivalry of the knights. Now, none of those knights got invited to sit at the table unless they could demonstrate that they'd lived that code of chivalry out in their adventures and their journeys. So when you think about bringing people into your organization, they should already represent those values or not reject at your values, at least, yeah. so they can be invited as a seat at the table. Now, here's the fancy part. So when King Mario would pull up to the table, King Mario, yes. he would then remove his crown yeah. and sit at the table as an equal. And King Arthur's role at the round table was to facilitate the conversation. So the best idea for Camelot won, not the king's idea. But you can't do this in, in a corporate world because the CEOs and GMs, all these ones, they build, as you say, they structure around themselves to to make a compartments of the you know of the organization. You can, they choose not to, Mario. They choose not to. Right, because they want to have an ecosystem in their organization. They want to have rank and file. So when you think about this, so like you imagine us at this leadership table, we have two more people. Um you're you're the head of uh, operations. Okay. Yeah. So then you would turn to your table and you would have your team around you. And in the center would be the purpose of our organization surrounded by the values. And your job would then to be to coach, not boss, your team to achieve its objectives in line with the values to the purpose. So when you're setting up the organization that way, then that person, someone in your team might have a team of, you know, 10, 10 administrative people, for example. Okay, great. Or, you know, accounting team, whatever yeah. it might be. And then they turn to their circle and they're, so we have all these cells all independent but interlinked, all working together to form an organism of a human organization. But so in, in that in that respect, you know, I think that what you're saying, it's 
it's a lot of negativity if we don't accept or we don't adjust our organization to round table rather than have the square table. Yeah, but like metaphorically speaking, yeah. I mean, like instead of yeah, being yeah. equal, you know, like and, yeah. and understanding the mm. what is our goal, the purpose, mm. and anything else, instead of just have the square table, mm. I'm the boss, you're going to do this. Yeah. Um, and all this dual parallel, you know, the the the, the power struggle in the co- corporations between the departments and organizations, mm. it's 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 bad, man. Oh, it it's you know, here's the challenge. Um, so that's when I'm the boss, you're my subordinate. But when you have the circle of organizational leadership, that ecosystem mm-hmm. of leadership structure in your organization, everybody answers to something first, not to someone. Say no, again, somebody everybody think. answers to something first, not to someone. Something. Everybody answers to the purpose through the lens of the values, including the CEO, including the COO, the CFO. Oh, man, that's, that is, I mean, that so is... So me, as a person, I should be able to sit at that table and go to the CEO if I believe that they're something they're talking about isn't necessarily in alignment with that, I should respectfully be able to ask, Mario, can you help me to understand how that fits with these values or that serves this purpose? Mm. Because purpose, there sits in the center of the table, is the seed of culture. It's the first decision-making filter. Does this serve our purpose, yes or no? So from a leadership point of view, you want to go all the way back when I talked about the word staff and how your job is to serve your people. Here's how it works, Mario. My job is to serve our team. Our team's job is to serve the purpose. The purpose's job is to serve our customers. Why nobody talks like you? Like, yeah. why nobody talks like you? Like, I'm still, we still have organizations square table, not that way, yeah. round table. Why is that, Dave? Uh, why the organization don't start cleaning the old approaches and take it the new approaches, which is more uh, beneficial for organization than... Mm. Because we hire people based on merit. I mean, not merit, like, you know, tenure, whatever it is, or I, if I achieve this budget or whatever, rather than going, we're all here for the greater good of the organization. We're all here to succeed. If we all sit around the table, if this division's doing really well, but this one's doing poorly, but this one could help that one, why aren't we doing that? Well, because if I do that, that might diminish mine and then make me look less than. Yet we should be going, no, that'll make you look more than because you're willing to help. And we imagine if we built organizational cultures, Mario, where we were lifting people up, not pushing people down. I think that I truly believe that we come into a stage when this is going to start happening, mm. but there's still a lot of resistance, right? I can see, yeah. you know, even amongst my clients, you know, the corporate clients of the large organizations, you still have that that rigid, you know, I mean, yep. robust structure, like where you, you can't open the next door because that door, that door, that door. And I say, all I just need a it's your input you know how to run this this particular case um but that that's i think it's going to happen thanks to people like yourself oh well, it's going to happen here's here's the problem that we face right now is that w- when we look at organizations what are most organizations measured on uh, was it called kpis right whatever yeah, they are. yeah. but the the, the <laughs> success like... of the organization is measured on its profitability its return yes, to shareholders yes, yeah. all this sort of stuff right yeah. yet we all say you know, happy team equals happy customers equals happy shareholders. We've heard it for years. Yeah. But what do we focus on? Happy shareholders, <laughs> right, first. And then we go, what do we need to do to make money to do that? And if you look at most of the organizations, the, the big ones that have failed, literally, that have gone broke or bust or reduced their market share, faded away into relevance, obscurity, whatever way you want to reframe it, is they focused on money. And when money is your end game, Mario, you'll play any game. 
I will say this, you don't need to say this. We have recently, uh, in case in Australia, which I wrote in some of my articles, Qantas. Qantas actually yep. uh, done everything mm. to increase the profit. They got a great mm. bonuses, everything else. But on that part, actually, they reduce it, they minimize the security, <clears throat> safety, the customer satisfaction, you know, the, the relationship with the, between the uh, stakeholders and, and, and the clients and everything else just for the profit. Yeah. I mean, how is it even possible? Like, you know what I mean? Like, in organization, let's like say, I, I will say yeah. that. See, so here's, here's what happens with CEOs in many organizations. CEOs yeah. have a shelf life, right? Yeah. And shelf so, life, I like right? it. I so like they have it. a shelf life, right? And some of them stay beyond the shelf life. So if you have something in your fridge that's beyond its shelf shelf life, yeah, it's broke. It's right. sorry, it's out. Yeah, it's it's, it's off, uh, right? Yeah, it's off. So, but in that shelf life, they have to the, their success for their next opportunity is based on how much they've improved the bottom line of the organization. So they have a short window to make massive success. What's the quickest way to make success financially? Cut, scrimp, save, change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. To make the number look good, so the and a lot of them, their bonuses are tied to. And oh then yeah, they that's, get there. that's yeah, that's always bonus. So yeah. the way we you get the behavior that you reward in organizations, so we're rewarding that kind of behavior. Do you remember back way back uh, would have been, oh maybe four or five years ago, the the Royal Commission on the banking industry that happened. That's correct. Yes, there was the chairman of <coughs> one of the large banks. I won't name, that said um, they're talking about because the culture in banks was wrong, right? Because yeah. Having worked in banking myself in my past, I could, I'm could i not shocked by the Royal Commission. The way things that they were being asked to do, open up false accounts, manipulate things, get people, like just to make it the numbers look good. It's always about making the numbers look good. And I remember having an argument with my regional manager at the time. He said, David, your job is to make me look good because my numbers were, um, we were doing really well. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. turned to him and I said, Carl, I thought your job was to make me look good. Like he didn't like it for sure. No, he didn't no, like no, not it. at he all. He didn't like it, that one. No, right? And so I didn't stay around much longer. But with the Royal Commission, yeah. so the chairman of this large, one of the large banks in Australia turned to, and, and it was written in an article, and he said, um, is, you know, Australian banking needs a cultural change. I'm like, great, awesome. He said, that's going to take 10 years. Case close. Right. Now, and he said, you know, <laughs> we're going to do it, but it's going to take 10 years. So what is he actually saying? There's two things he's one of two things he's saying. Yeah, please. So one of them he's saying, I'm not willing to do it, or I'm not the right person to do it. Because if we throw out a number like ten years, people are like, oh, it's going to take time. And guess what? People will have forgotten after two years, the fact that Australian banking culture needs to change. Yeah. So there's not going to happen anyway. And no offense to any Australian banks, anything like that out there. I'm just using it as, a, as an example. Nick, you say on my, you're on my podcast. You don't, yeah. say, you don't need to say. No, you know, no, I'm yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. you know, because I know there's a lot of great people in banks who are seeking to make a really different and care deeply about their customers. But the institution itself, the people who lead it at the highest level, are interested in shareholder return and things because that's the pressure they're under. You know, I, I, won't, I don't want to say I don't blame them. I do blame them. But it's the system that we've created. There is, you're getting the behavior that you reward. We reward these roles on that. We're paying them to achieve bottom line performance. So they'll do whatever but, it takes to drive would you agree bottom with me line that even, performance. Even, even those things going to come to the end. Um, I can yes. see I can see that. What's what happened with Qantas? On the wall, yeah, I, the, the, the finances actually going to struggle. That hmm. um, doesn't matter how much you cut your expenses yeah. and cutting yeah. the employees. It's going to be less less prof- profitability for the many many organizations on the market because hmm. the leadership is actually. Different, and I can say I can see uh, in in conversation with the, with the other people like yourself, 
who are true experts. And that's what is reason yeah. I love you being on my podcast because um, when you put a person from public life and, you know, some celebrity to talk, it's all about them. You on here representing everybody who wants to change on a better. And your experience and knowledge, it's, it's truly valuable. So for that I, I'm here I'm, for the humans, man. Like, uh, I want I want people to feel like I feel every day. I want people to be excited about going to some workplace because I think work is part of life. It's part of meaning. It gives us a sense of meaning to our lives, Mario. I want everyone to have that small little joy from the work that they do every day. And I'd like to share how to, how to, I'd love to tell you guys how to do that. Let me just, um, let me just finish up with the, the whole thing. Like if you look at Qantas and here's a classic example of this and I'll pull it right back to leadership. Yeah. Okay. My role as a leader is to become the best that I can be. Yes. Why? So I can be the best for my team. Why? Because my team deserves my best. So my team then can become their best. Yeah. Why? Because our clients deserve our best, Mario. So my job is to be the best leader I can be, continue to evolve as a human being, to become the best I can be in all areas of my life. Yeah. So that my team, I create space and capacity for my team to do that because my team deserve my best and I want them to become their best. Why? Because they deserve to be the best they can be, but also they're the ones who traditionally serve all our clients yes. and our clients deserve our best. So if we look at that at an organizational level, if we applied that to, say, something like Qantas, would we be looking at how we're helping our team be their best, things like that? No, we're looking at how do we make the bottom line the best. So instead of actually looking at the bottom line, let's start with the people, the people who serve the people who then drive that. If we engaged employees create engaged customers. You ever been served by somebody who just loves what they're doing, Mario? where they're doing it, who they're doing oh, it with. A long time ago, yes. Yeah, no, right. But how does that add to your experience as a consumer or a customer? Well, I'm happy. And I mean, yeah. like I just... It just makes... Well, it, you, it's yeah. like you walk into... I walked in the cafe this yeah. morning down in where I'm staying in Sydney and this beautiful young lady there and she came up to me and she was just bubbly and like she, she just... Lo- you can tell she loves working where she, and doing what she's doing. And it just made my breakfast so much more enjoyable. I yes, just sat there by right myself here. and I just felt, this is a nice place to have breakfast. And the food was amazing and... But have you ever been served by somebody who doesn't love what they're doing, where they're doing it, or of who course, they're doing it with? Of course, and I, how does hate, that? I hate that place. Eh? Right, right. So if you want to have the best customer service and the more traction of customers and which drive profitability, yeah. well, then take care of your people. Help that's, your people to be their best, to do their best while in your care and beyond, Mario. Treat them like human beings first. And guess what? The way you treat them is how they'll treat your customers. If you if you want if you can transfer this into the sorry if you yeah. can describe or draw or produce some type of equation for that you say take talk about uh, take a consideration that people are humans how that equation will look like for you I'm not sure I understand the question how can I and like if you if you can transfer that success you know what I mean look it after your people mm. you know organization if you want to draw uh, like set up some type of equation of these ones is uh, employees number one, you know, plus the, the time it's equal success or... Oh, okay, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Like, uh, look oh, up, yeah, simple, look yeah. up a corporation, look your purpose, look <clears throat> your employees, uh, satisfactory, equal... Okay, yeah, beautiful. Here, Here's the simple formula for profitability. Yeah. So, um, actually, it's funny because our, uh, our process we roll out with clients, it's done in four phases. Yeah. And so the four phases, the fourth phase is profitability. Yeah. It's the last phase. Okay. Not first. So first phase is people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> first phase is people. So you got to get your people right. Yeah. Right? And you get the culture right for the people. So mm. people, and then you get, so you get the clarity and alignment. So clarity and alignment, so people know why we're here, what we're doing, what we're building, where we're going, right? You get that set. Then phase two is direction and focus. 
which is productivity. So help them become more productive, less busy, more productive. How do they achieve more with equal or less? Yes. And find more joy in the work that they're doing, which is then give them a sense of direction and focus. So everybody in the organization can see the future of the organization. They can see themselves having a future in the organization. We're delegating outcomes to people, not tasks. We're getting people involved in the work, involved in decisions about the work. And we're hiring them to achieve roles, not do jobs. Yeah. And then, so then we become productive. Then guess what? When you've got the people right and then you've got them productive, so you've got the clarity and alignment and the direction and the focus of your organization set, then you go into accountability and execution, which is about leadership and it's the performance, right? So then it's all about performance. And we do performance management in organizations instead of performance leadership. So if we move from performance management to performance leadership, which is brings in the accountability and execution, is we can actually help our people know what to focus on, what matters most, build a system of accountability, all right, and then have, help them develop simple tactical plans on how they're going to achieve it. You tell us how you're going to achieve this. And then transparency so everybody can see what everybody's working on. So everyone can put their hand up and go, I need help if they need it. Or we build a culture where everyone's lifting each other up and supporting each other collaboratively. And then we get a far greater rate of execution than we've ever had. So when you have focus, accountability, simplicity, and transparency, your organization will look execute at a far greater rate. So we've gone from clarity alignment of people, direction and focus for productivity, accountability and execution for performance, and the thing that follows after that is profitability. Profitability. So if you look at your organization over a 12-month period, the first three months you get that right, then you get that right, and then guess what? It's kind of like the flywheel effect. So Jim Collins talks about a flywheel, right? So the flywheel is get your people right, then get your people productive, then get them performing at a higher level, and then you get more profitability. And guess what you do with that profitability, Mario? You invest in people. You invest in people. And then guess what? Then you can scale productivity. Then you can have higher levels of performance. And guess what? More profitability. And guess what you do with that profitability, Mario? You take Mario for lunch. Eh? Yes, take Mario <laughs> for lunch and then invest more in your people. Yeah, more people. Yeah. And then you get even higher levels of productivity and more performance and a higher profitability. So that's the flywheel effect. That's your formula for that. That is very interesting, Dave. That is very interesting, Dave. Right. So, so let me give that other part. I want yes, to talk about here's how to, get, here's how to get the people part right. I did, a, I did a live stream of this last week, so it's really cool. How do you build a depth of engagement in your organization? So, you know, we talked about the disengagement rates. Here's how it is. Here's how you can engage people. Um, but not only just engage people, but build deeper engagement in your organization. Yeah. But at the same time, Mario... Here's how you can help people understand that they matter and that their work matters. I don't know if you've heard this term mattering. Yes, I did. Okay, yeah. so mattering is something that's going around a lot lately, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of the new words that's going around. Um, and once again, I look at it and I go, why do we have to have this? You know, like I get it. I, I want human I want people to know that they matter. I want them to know that their work matters. Yes. So I can achieve both with one simple formula. Okay, so firstly... Um, if we sat down and we have an organization, what? and here's a conversation any leaders out there you can have with your team, especially if you have your purpose clearly defined. You have to have your purpose clearly defined so everybody knows why we come to work every day. What is the problem we're passionate about solving every day for the people we choose to do that for? So that's your purpose, yeah. right? So when you have your purpose clear in your organization, I can sit down with you and go, Mario, you know our purpose here, like, um, so let's use uh, my friend, Dr. Steve Rallis. He's got a, an amazing organization, Wellness Doctor. Their organization, they're a bunch of chiropractors, nurses, phlebotomists, all that. They believe in preventative and proactive health care, right? The problem that that's their, what they're passionate about. The problem that they see in their world is that most people take action on their health when it's too late. Correct. You know, wait, wait for yes, the disease correct. to define, right? 
That's correct, yes. So your purpose lies at the crossroads of the thing that you're most passionate about and their problem. Where those two things collide, that's where your purpose lies at the crossroads of those things. Yes. So their purpose then, if they're preventative and proactive and the problem they see is that, that people take action on the health too late, their organization exists to save lives ahead of time. That's their purpose, to save lives ahead of time. So I said to you, Mario, you can come here and crack some backs, draw some blood, give some natural things, <laughs> and please join our organization. Yeah. Or, hey, would you like to join our organization? We're here to save lives ahead of time. Which one's more engaging to you? Saving the lives. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Like, so, and you'd be like, well, how do you do that? Yes. Because you want to know if, someone, if your purpose is engaging? When you tell someone why you do what you do, they'll go, how do you do that? What do you do? How do you do it? Because they'll be engaged, they want to engage in dialogue with you. All right? So when you have your purpose clearly defined and you understand that. So I just want to use this to set the scene for something. Yeah. So what, if that's our organization, we're Wellness Dr. Mario, okay? Yeah. And our organization exists to save lives ahead of time. Mario, why do you think our organization matters? Because it's saving the lives. Yeah, wh why is that so important in today's world? Because people want to be living a happy, healthy life. Yeah. And right now, if you imagine that most diseases that are killing people are lifestyle diseases... They are, correct. Yes. Right? And so why do you think the work that we do here, in the, like our organization matters, right? So all of a sudden, I want to help you understand why our organization matters first. And then say, okay, your role is, um, let's say, we'll take your role in, in that wellness doctor. Say you're the practice manager. Yeah. So you're, you're there to make sure the practice runs. You're not one of the chiropractors or anything like that. Your job is to make sure that the practice operates at the highest level. Why does your role matter in relation to saving lives ahead of time? I don't know. Tell me. Well, so if you think about it, like what a practice manager in, a, in a, an organization why uh, that has all these carpenters, nurses, things yeah. that are there to save lives ahead of time, why do you think that role would be really important? Because I put all together people to um, how to perform better. Yeah, so you have to organize all these people yes. so we can make sure we maximize the number of patients we see yes, and opportunities, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Right, so that's why your role matters, Mario. So yeah. I, but I want you to tell me why your role matters. It's not okay. for me to tell you. And it's not for me to tell you why our organization matters. So we want to develop mattering and engagement Step one, you need to be able to tell me why you think our organization matters. And it's my job just to coach you to get to the, the, your answer for that. Yeah. Then your role, same thing, prompt, probe, question, challenge. So you can go, well, this is why my, because if I don't organize this, we won't be able to see as many patients. We won't do this. We won't be able to help as many. We won't be able to save as many lives. Awesome. Then the last question is, why does that matter to you, Mario? What does that say about you, say to you? How does it make you feel knowing how important your work now is? If you didn't already know, you know now. Why is that important to you? I help other people. Yeah, it's, 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 I've, I feel um, accomplished that I can help other people. Yeah, so I feel that's like... My, that's my, yeah, that's my, that's so my purpose. Saying, I, my I purpose feel, is to help others. Yeah, beautiful. So I get to live my purpose through the work I do in the organization here. That's better. That's better. Yeah, no, well, like, okay, so we're, let's get <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just for the sake of the, the, the podcast here, so yeah. you now know why the organization matters to you. Yeah. You know why your role matters to you, and you know why it, it, that while that matters, you, you matter. That's correct, yes. Right? So now you now have a personal connection to our public sense of purpose. So in our organization, if we can help every single person in our organization have a personal connection to our public sense of purpose, so they know why the organization matters, they know why my role matters, now I have meaningful work, and I know why it matters to me, what it says to me or for me, I can go home feeling way better about, even if I had a tough day, I can go home feeling way better about myself, the work I do in this world, even when it's challenging. Do you know what, what some of the biggest challenges in, in the world are that are coming from workplaces today? Stress, anxiety, depression, 
workplace harassment, bullying. Lifestyle diseases. Which lead which... to all the lifestyle diseases. So you imagine the disengagement rates going down and down. And those people are going home now, Mario. And they're feeling miserable about their life. They've been stressed. They have anxiety. They're harassed. They feel they're harassed. Whether they're harassed or not, but they feel it. Yeah, yeah, they feel it, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. They have all that happening. And then they go home. And then they take that out on their family subconsciously. You know, how many people go home and then complain to their partners, oh, what a crap, I'm sick of working, yes. and they're in this downward spiral. Then they take it to their community, to their churches, to their families, to their social. And we just constantly reinforcing the negative. Yeah. Now, flip it over to the mattering process I just took you to and building a depth of engagement. I'm engaged in the organization, I'm engaged in my work, and I'm engaged in, in my own contribution to that. Right, so now I have a depth of engagement and I understand why I matter. And I go home, even if it was a tough day, like, hey, you know what, it was a tough day, but boy, I felt like I really got something done today. <laughs> and then what does that do to your family, to your children, to your community, to your church, to your social? Yeah, yeah. And we could create an upward spiral. Upward spiral. Right, and if you think there's 900 million employees in the world that are disengaged today, approximately, in 142 countries, 70% of the workforce, they have an average of 2.5 family members for everyone. That's 2.25 billion people on the planet that we can impact their lives. Yeah, we could shift the consciousness of a planet, Mario, by helping people have a greater sense of meaning to their lives and connecting personally to the work that they're doing and shift the consciousness of a planet. Imagine one-third of the population. I just, love it. I just love it. That equation, you know, it's like 900 million people on the planet is not happy, yeah. 1 billion, yeah. 2.5 uh, members of family. Yeah. What do you say? That's a 2.5 billion people affected today. Yeah. It's like a one third of population. Like that's, right. that's what I'm saying. It's just being, let's just say, being affected with somebody who's unhappy. Right. But if we can turn that around one degree and reverse the cycle, one degree. One degree. And the opposite way. Okay. And that, well, instead of the downward spiral, we build an upward spiral of joy. 2.5 billion and people happy. Except, and just a sense of meaning to the work they're doing. Just by helping them understand why their work why our organization matters, why the work I do matters, and why it matters to me, and having a personal connection to our public sense of purpose. So when I talk about wanting to create 90 million purpose-driven leaders, create and inspire 90 million purpose-driven leaders in the world, because those 90 million look after that 900 million, who can impact that 2.5 billion, we can shift the consciousness of a planet. Just, I'm so glad that I, I spoke to you today, you know what I mean? I'm very conscious about your time, and, and you know, we're talking today, I mean, this is a subject I can talk on for you. No, no, it's not absolutely. <laughs> but uh, tell me something. How do you, what do you do and what do you practice that you stay happy, healthy, sane? Yeah, um, awesome. So every year um, I set a theme for myself. And like everyone on our team, we do it. We set our, our theme for the year, like our okay. word, whatever it is, right? Uh, what's my next evolution? So if we look at um, our organization, here's a simple way to do this. So we go, here's the organization we want to have in the next three years. So we go, here's me, and we built this organization. Now, three years from now, we want to evolve into this organization. Our yeah. mission is to become this organization. And, you know, look at mission from military stages. So we go, here's where I am, here's the business plan. Then I have to ask myself, well, then who do I need to become to build this organization? Because this leader built this one. Now, who do I need to become? Mm. And then I look at over three years. So what's my next evolution of me as a human being? Now, I appreciate I've used the organizations of evolution because it's my life's work. Right, so I go okay. Well, then what's what's my evolution this year? And then I take that theme. Once I've worked it out, we do this every December, so we'll be coming up to look at a theme. And then I go, what does that look like in family, finance, health, well-being? So the wheel of life kind of concept. Yeah. If I 
took that one theme and put it in all those, what would it what would it happen in those? And then I map what that out is. And then I write all that down and I create my mantra for the year, if you wish. So here's my mantra based on this. Yeah. And then I have my affirmations, if you wish, whatever you want to call mm. it, um, where I sit there and I go, you know, I read to myself that this is the life I'm building for myself. This is who I'm becoming. This is what I want. And this is what success looks like to me and how I feel about it. And I have that every single day. And so I have a mantra that explains what uh, that looks like in all areas of my life. And then I have simple uh, positive affirmations or productive affirmations, I like to call them, about what that looks like. So I'm always imprinting what success looks like in my brain. Because here's here's what why we need to do that. Our mind sees in pictures. You know when you dream, you dream yes, in pictures, yeah, right? Yeah. You ever woke up in the middle of the night from a dream and you like didn't know where you were for a second? <laughs> of course. Right. Of course, yes. So your mind does not know the difference between what's real or perceived, but it sees in pictures. And your mind's function is to keep you sane. It's a goal-seeking, problem-solving device, right? Mm. We use it for too many other things, but ultimately that's what it's there for. So our mind goes to see some pictures, but it will always move you to the dominant picture. You know, some people who are like, we, they have insanity, they can't get their pictures to match. Yes. And that's why they see two worlds and they destroy, right? So what I want to do is my mind doesn't know the difference. So no different to like my subconscious brain is where my hard drive, where everything's stored. All I need to do is imprint a new picture on the hard drive of what it should look like. And then once I've, then that's why repetition to affirm and read my mantra every day, because it starts to imprint that picture that I want and I see and feel for myself in my life. And then when I open my eyes and I see reality, guess what? The pictures don't match. Because what I've seen in my mind and I go, hang on, that doesn't look like what's happening right now. Yeah. Now my mind, I know, will move me to the dominant picture. So if I'm making the new picture, the dominant one, guess what it will do? It will kick in, kick in my creative subconscious, which will go, you need to solve this problem, Dave. I don't look in. I look in the mirror and I don't see the David that I just saw in my mind. I'm gonna go for a walk. I need to go lift some weights. I need yeah. to go do my boxing. I need to, yeah. because the pictures don't match. So I need. It will tell. It will give me all the energy and the power to how to to make the pictures how match to, yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. So this is every year to, to make yourself happy and think. Happiness is a choice, Mario. Happiness is a choice. Right. Good day or bad day, it's always your choice. Now, please understand. I like it. Is well, yeah, and yeah. I, I mean this. Would, Deep empathy for many people who suffer, like are unhappy right now. I, I have unhappy days, but we I all know, have unhappy, yeah, unhappy days. But, but you know, you you can't have happiness unless you understand unhappiness or sadness. Otherwise, there is no happy. There's no happy without sad. Right? Makes There's no sense. light without dark. Yes. Right. You 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 have to have one of the to, for the other one to exist. So we will have unhappiness, moments of unhappiness. For me, I guess I just measure myself on how long I stay unhappy. And the, I like to shorten the, the tenure of the unhappiness to get back into happiness because it is a choice. I can show you in 30 seconds how to change your state if you're sad. Please. Okay. We're going to do this exercise. I'm not sure how this is going to show up on the podcast, but we'll do no, this. Okay. Okay. So, Mario, um, I'd like you to close your eyes for a moment. Mm. And I want you to think back to whatever, what was the, the day, your best day you ever had in your life? The day you were most joyous, the happiest. Do you remember what it was? Just visualize it. Where were you? Who was with you? What was happening around you? The sights, the sounds, the smells, everything. Like allow all your senses to be in that moment again. Mm. Right? And just sit there and just sit in that moment for a few seconds and think about who you were with and what was happening and, and just allow those feelings just to rush up. And now open your eyes and just tell me. It was, uh, it was my son's birth. 
Yeah. You, you should have seen your face smile no, as you were thinking. Smile. You could just see your oh, whole. As you're... Yeah, I want to see on a yeah. It's um, <laughs> um it's a my son. It's a my son. Uh, but so yeah. Right. You must want to think. I'm just still. I'm still like you know. I, yeah. I just okay. So all I did is get you to flick back into time in your memories, yeah. and go back to that and experience it again, and then you can change your state and put that right into this moment. You can put it right into this moment. So if you're feeling upset, frustrated, angry, mad. Things like that. Whenever I'm about to walk out on stage to do a keynote, I go back to that one keynote that I did that was like my best keynote ever, my best opening ever, the thing. And I just sit there and I visualize it for a second and go, yeah. When I hit my first line, I, I did the that. thing. That is such a support. And then I just walk straight out because I'm already in that same state I was. So I can actually change my physiology because our mind does not know the difference between what's real or perceived. And the mind that all of a sudden makes sure the mind-body connection, your body now feels just like it did when your son was born, you'll have the same joy, the goosebumps, the things, the nervous, yeah, the anxiety, yeah, the kinetic energy. Yeah. You'll feel it. Yeah. And you can put that right into this moment. So if you're unhappy, I get it. But you would have had at least one day in your life when you had the greatest joy. We all do. We all do have. No, right. There's no, there's and so no. if you want to get out of your unhappiness state. I mean, like, it's okay. Sometimes I just want to sit in my unhappiness. We're, we're emotional human beings. Like, yeah, yeah. Don't deny that. So sometimes I like to sit in my unhappiness. But it's unhealthy if I stay in it for too long. Yes. So I have the ability, if something else doesn't come along, I could just look at one of my children, and it makes me joyous anyway. That, right? That's correct. Yeah, that, that's so, good. Yeah. I, you know, or, and there's nothing like being surrounded by a puppy. <laughs> just go play with your puppy, and all of a sudden your mood will change instantly. Because yeah. the unconditional love of a puppy, you can't resist it. So whatever it is, there's ways you can do it. This is why I say happiness is a choice. I'm not saying you you will never choose to be unhappy, but it's a choice to move into happiness. Yeah, You can move into happiness at any time. Even when there, there's people whose lives have been miserable, yet they've or lived in environments that are terrible, Mario, but they've gone on to make tremendous success. They've got out of... So we all have the ability to do that. No matter what's going on around you, you can still choose to bring happiness to a... Be grateful for the and happiness to me comes from gratitude, not not for wanting for something that I don't have. It's for appreciating what I do have and finding it could be the fact that I'm just breathing today. Could be the fact that you know um, where I am or what I'm doing. It could be anything. It doesn't matter. You can find gratitude if you look for it. You'll find sadness if you look for it. You'll find anger if you look for it. Seek and ye shall find. I just like to seek to choose happiness to find happiness more often than not. And as I even growing up, my the thing for me was, and this is why I like to have a little bit of fun and get the work done, right? That's one of my life philosophies, have fun, but get the work done. Is My thing was like, laugh with me or laugh at me, as long as you're laughing, because that means you're happy. It's hard to be sad and laugh at the same time. And so That's I, impossible, yes. Yeah, right? So, so this is, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I always played the class clown. I always played that because I just wanted people to be happy. I just wanted people to be happy. And, it, and I take that same philosophy to the workplace. I just want you to be happy at work. I just want you to be happy here, Mario. I just want you, whatever it is you're doing, I want you to be able to show you how to find the happiness yourself. And if you can't find it here, show you that it's okay to go find it somewhere else. You know, like, I just want people to be happy. And I understand we'll have moments of sadness, like, but you can move in. But, and this is why in the workplace, if we can work, work, make workplaces more human, where people are happy to go to work, they find happiness when they leave work, even if it's been a tough day. Because the people I got to do it with, the people I got to go into the trenches with, you know, in the military. But when mm. you even you had to go in some horrible situations, mm. but you went in with some amazing people, and That's great. even though at the end of it you could like your brothers in arms yeah. that you were in there with, 
it made it bearable because you were with those people. And that sometimes you had some great fun stuff together, but the tough times as well, they tough times and the great correct. times. That is correct. Right. Yeah. And so, but it was because you were happy with the people you were doing it with. They were all, we're all here for the same reason, for the same cause. We all had goals, dreams, aspirations, hopes, desire. We're all here to have each other's back. We're all here to help each other win so we can all get home safely. Isn't that what you guys did in the military? So you could all get home safely? That is correct. Right? See, I don't even argue. I don't even put the context out. So not the life-threatening component that war does to the... But in the workplace, can you imagine if we had the same fight for each other? That is correct, yes. That we're all fighting for each other so we can all go home safely, go home happy, go home at least a little bit better off than we were when we arrived. Or not less than, at least. Imagine working in places like that. Thank you, Dave. That's the work that I do in this world. That's what our organization does. That's my life's work is I want to make organizations as great as the human beings inside them. And that it just makes sense for people to want to work in those organizations, Mario. And the, we need to have ecosystems and organizations, not ecosystems. We need coaches, not bosses. We need to get people involved in the work, involved in decisions, work, delegate outcomes to people, not tasks to people. We need to hire them to do roles, not to do jobs. We need to create amazing employee experiences. We need to use technology to bring people together that turns our people into superheroes. We need to do these things so that makes organizations human again. That's what we need to do. Thank you, Dave. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a Dave Clay. I'm going to put in the comment section below the contact details of Dave. Feel free to subscribe, share, like, and comment. I want you to, after this podcast, sit and see how you can be happier. Your organization can be more profitable, more beneficial, and who better than Dave Clay? Dave, thank you very much for being my guest. Mario, today. thank you so much for allowing me into the secret studio. Yeah, you will uh, not got to get out here. You know? It's like, yeah. we need to put I don't know that. How, <laughs> I didn't even know where I am. <laughs> I didn't even know how to get back to where I am. Where no, I have like, to go. Know, today, today you just shared that, that that's, that's, it's like last hour and 45 minutes, man. It's Has all, it been that long? Yeah, it's oh. just, it, like, I can never had the podcast like this because this is what the people need. People need somebody who talks with the energy, with a, with a, with a, uh, confidence, not con, con, to con, convince somebody, but confidence yeah. that you're preaching what you're doing. You know, I mean, so, so you. you're doing what you're preaching, Thank and you. that's what are gonna make these organizations mm. happy and even individuals. I'm still in a, you know, I'm still in that place 22 years ago, in in a hospital. You know, I mean, my son Bert, and you know, I'm still happy. So, ladies and gentlemen, exclusively for life, the Butterfield, Dave Clay. Comment section below. I'm going to put all details. You can contact Dave. So, Dave, thank you very much for being my guest. Thank you. Thanks for having me here, man. Welcome.